Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus T. And I'm just going to stop right there, because you are being very sexually aggressive <laughs> right now. <laughs> trying to seduce the listeners and me over here. You was not prepared for that. But I wanted to do something different. You can't do it the same way every time. That's that's fair, but you can't. you just can't like lead into that. I was like, oh god, he's trying. Is he, come, is he coming on to me? You know, are you getting uncomfortable over there, he's, Marcus? Are, are, am I making you uncomfortable? He is coming on to me. <laughs> oh. But either way, a big shout out to our newest patron, John. Thank you so much for signing up to become a patron. We appreciate that so much. Props to you. Yeah, big hearts to you. Because you signed up to be a patron, I'm assuming you're a big fan. I just want you to know we're an even bigger fan of you. You. That's true. That's true. Come on over to our Discord. We always appreciate that. We have a fun time over there. We post funny stuff, as well as weird articles that I found the other day. I, I posted an article the other day about a man and his uh, interaction with orange orbs. So to check that out, you'll oh, have to no, go. Th- I read that article. It was yeah. really good. Yeah, I actually not... wanted to talk yeah. about that at some yeah. point. Yeah, so you have to go to over our Patreon and check out the article that we're actually talking about. So we have some fun stuff only for our patrons. So. Wait, you're the one that posted that article? I thought can, someone else posted it. Can you not read? <laughs> I just I it, thought it was posted by the, someone else. In the Discord, it plainly <laughs> says Marcus D. Maybe I just don't want to give you that much credit. You're I supposed guess. I to know. be moderating that. <laughs> I am. I go through. I see if anyone's saying any dirty words, anyone's trying to solicit, uh, solicit any dirty actions, and if that's not going on, I leave it alone. It's a low bar. Okay. <laughs> just getting in running the alcohol today. I saw uh, Vic buy this. The other day, the Shock Top Twisted Pretzels. Ooh. You weren't with me. Ellie bought these. But I, I thought you had this at your birthday party. Oh, no. We had them at my birthday party, but uh, I did not pick them up. Ellie did. Oh, also, well, I mean, they were they were here. So this is where I saw them before originally. So And someone wouldn't drink it. I had to work the <laughs> next. This one was on beer. a Tuesday. It was one beer and you had a designated driver. I had to work the following day. <laughs> Sorry, early I, in the morning. I did not realize after one beer you would be incapable of working. For what it was, anyway. Here, pa- pass me the bottle opener. I want uh, some. <laughs> I like how you take the bottle opener and then you put it under your chair. Grateful for that. And I got you a really good gift. <laughs> you did. You pat- really did. You, do you hear that sound? That is me patting myself on the back for you, the gift that I got cool, you. He way. got me a um a. Poster of one of my favorite comic book covers, and I had no clue we even got because it, it wasn't a popular comic book, That's and right. I thought it was very cool. I, well, the reason why I was able to buy it for you is because uh, I've been seeing it in the store for several months, and nobody buys it because you're the only one that <laughs> reads A Force. By the way, it's like no one it's reads like A Force now. We got three other people worldwide that read A Force, and I was like, it was really funny because like I saw it Friday, and I'm like, I'll just buy it Monday because I'll know it'll be there. <laughs> of course it will. No one else like A Force, but like me, and like you said, seven other. Wait, no, cheers, oh, cheers. We oh, got cheers to John. Yeah, for signing up to be a patron. Mm. Oh, I really like this beer. I knew that this had a pretzely taste from what people were saying. Oh yeah, it has a very pretzely taste. Like even when you smell it, it it, it smells like pretzel. 
This is like, okay, this is the reason why I'm going to say this is the poor man's beer. Because it's a good beer, and you save money because you don't have to buy pretzels. Because you have the aftertaste. <laughs> you just have the aftertaste of pretzels. It's like you already ate one. It's like half the calories. Wait, check this out. I had whiskey conspiracies over a few days ago, and we're hanging out. And I'm like, oh, you have to try this beer. It tastes a lot like pretzels. You're going to really like it. And I reach into my fridge, and unwittingly, I grab a Varsteiner Pilsner and hand it to him. And he was polite enough not to call me on it. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not getting the be- or the pretzel taste, but yeah, no, this is a good beer." <laughs> okay. I, I didn't realize that I gave him the wrong beer. I don't, I don't want to be rude and just say he doesn't know his beers because no, he definitely does. He definitely knows. Apparently, beers. Vic can't read. <laughs> so. Just, just so you know, whiskey. I love you. Thanks for hanging Thank out, you. and I'm sorry I gave you the wrong beer. Thank you, and uh, and and Vic, not that he's illiterate, just a really good guesser. <laughs> like that's that's how it goes. Champion. Yeah, that, that's how I get through books. I that's, just guess the yes. words. Look at the cover. You know. Oh. So, all right. So let's get to some comments for the episode uh, for our last episode. If you didn't see that episode. Um, <laughs> it's called Swamp Hag Magic, where me and Vic talk about some interesting uh, folklore surrounding hags. I talked about the Sukigan, and he talked about uh, green Jenny Green Teeth. And I think we have some cleanup from that episode because we, we were informed that we were being a bit disparaging towards we witches. We did. We did. I fully apologize. I am very sorry. I guess I either wasn't thinking about it in that context, or maybe just chose my words poorly. But I do apologize. And I have reparations after you do your apology. Yes. So, uh, like I said, post good, bad. We'll we'll talk about them. Uh, so our patron's comment was as a patron. Oh, it's cha- on there yeah, too. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. I'm we'll still totally address it as a patron's channel. I was seriously offended by the offhanded way you once again spoke in a belittling manner about witchcraft and the spiritual beliefs of certain paths. As a paranormal investigator, I would think you'd be more open-minded about all things. Once again, I'm going to apologize a second time because I think it's merited. I was not attempting to do that. I will try to choose my words better in the future. And as reparations, I want to bring Ellie, who is a witch, on to discuss a little more on swamp magic and rural magic. I'm and just, she can keep us in check. So I'm just going to dig in. So I'm no, no you are apologizing. You are apologizing Sorry. right now. Sorry. Sorry. I'm going to read this statement. I apo- oh I'm currently reading this apology on my own behalf. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I really, that, that's never our intention to sound like that whenever we were disparaging it. Like, like honestly, for that particular episode, the comments that I was making, that I think that we were making were specifically around Jenny Green Teeth and the Suki legends as they were. Not necessarily as real people that are necessarily practicing these particular things. So at least that was what I was, essentially what I thought that we were commenting on. So not to be taken any other way. I'm not going to attempt to justify and take the L. What? But but no, we never want anybody to feel that way. And uh, we apologize if anybody felt offended by it. That was not our, that was not our intention. Keep I an eye out. We are going to no, do a patron dude, episode. I have, I, have a lot, I have a lot of people in my family that are practitioners. So I don't want anybody to feel that they can't, that they, that I'm belittling that practice because I'm not. So I don't have anyone like in my family, to I got a lot. my knowledge, but my wife is, and mm-hmm. she will keep us in check. She gave me a nice scolding yeah, about it. I have several members of my family that are practitioners, actually. Shout out to the East Coast, East Coast D's <laughs> out there, by the way. So, big props to you guys. Big hearts. Um, all right. Let's do another one. Um, oh, here's one. Jay the Phoenix. So, the Count of Sesame Street has some real vampire myth behind him. 
talking about. Remember we were talking about the throwing the count, the throwing the rice, and they have to count it. Yeah. Did he just? Oh walk my god! Sesame Street one day hunting for a meal and get caught up in the counting they do for fifty plus years. Oh my god! You just blew my mind. What? Oh my god! I never put that together with some of the traditional stories of vampirism and counting with the count from Sesame Street. That. One in one in one never added up to two for me on that one. I just now got it. I don't understand. He's not, what makes you think he's a vampire? The teeth, maybe. I guess they don't ever specifically they say. They have never he's a... specifically said that the Count from Sesame Street is an actual vampire. They he, said he is a Count. He seems evocative <laughs> of a vampire, at least. Even though he has pointy teeth, hangs out with bats. I apologize. Has, has a cape in twenty twenty two. I. <laughs> Apologize for misidentifying the count. I guess mm-hmm. I may be assigning traits to the count I did not realize. You know another weird thing too. Do you know they in canon says Snuffleupagus actually is a real a real thing and is not just Big Bird's imaginary friend. I I yeah. don't know the show that well, but doesn't that mean like everyone's gaslighting him? Yeah, for for just years, for years up until like I want to say it was either the seventies or the nineties, and I can't remember specifically which one it was. But as he was supposed to be Big Bird's imaginary friend. But then they confirmed it in like a movie or something where Snuffleupagus is real. And because the reason why is because people would think like at the time that kids, if they were going to like come and say something to their parents, that nobody would believe them, that it's a whole concept that it's possible for oh, nobody okay. to believe you. So they changed this and just did a very bad job of putting this in canon. It was, it was like a socio situation. Yeah, so they wanted to change that kind, which is real, which is really really weird. So, which, which also now means the fact that none of the other Sesame Street characters they don't follow Snuffleupagus on Twitter. You can check that by the way, because they're jerks. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's not real. It's now they're just jerks. <laughs> they won't follow about Facebook. I don't know. Maybe there's some context we're missing or something. But no, like I've never really thought about. The likeness of a vampire that you would see on Sesame Street, and then the obsession with counting and that being somewhat prevalent in uh, vampire mythos. I really did not get mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I also like the fact that his Twitter, the Count's Twitter, is literally just him tweeting a new number every day. That, just just that's one awesome. num- just one number up from the day before. That's awesome. Since he started his Twitter account, I got really bored one day and couldn't sleep and just started stalking all the Muppets on Sesame Street. Dude, you, you know that's weird, right? I'm just that's very on, weird. on Twitter and just just seeing that. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. M- moving on to today's episode. We're moving on. We've already eaten up too much time for that. So we're at the end, man. It's the very last day of January when we're recording this, and we're talking about magic and monsters. So today we thought we would talk about a topic that we have been saying we were going to do an episode on for years. Really, just haven't been able to actually do it. Today is the day. Today we're doing. Finally, skinwalkers. Yes. Okay. I'm going to start out with a definition of a skinwalker. Maybe a little fast and loose, but I'm going to go with it. A skinwalker is someone traditionally from a Native American belief system where by using furs and mysticism can then transform, transform themselves either partially or entirely into a form of an animal usually leaving behind a singular tale a clever person could spot to identify the difference between being a skinwalker and a actual animal. Yeah, like uh, like there's something about like this particular wolf that's just not right. Like either the hair is all mangy or it's not, uh, or it's a bird that's bipedal that walks around on two legs. Or one of the legs on a dog is backwards. Yep, so it's, it's something bizarre and off like that. 
um, for people. So we thought that we would go ahead and talk about that. And we've been wanting to talk about Skinwalker for a long time. And actually, okay, I'll go ahead and start off. Wait, let me throw out a terminology thing real quick. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Skinwalker does evoke specific belief systems and is usually kept within that. There's also the term flesh gate, which can be used as a more broad term for discussing things outside of the traditional Skinwalker stories. Because this is a motif you see through across many cultures. Mm. So if I say Fleshgate, I just want to make sure you guys know what I mean. So we were we were building up to do an episode about these a couple year like a couple years ago. Like we were really building them to do that. Like we had bought some book. Like I had bought some books. I was reading them. It just never panned out. Well, no. Well, it didn't. So okay. So I bought this book, one of the books that I, because if you go out and you try to buy books on Skinwalkers, you'd be surprised that even though how popular it is in the culture, like popular that it is in the Oh, zeitgeist. we know why. Yeah. No, I know why. Well, anyway, like you can't find as many as you think. Okay. So one of the books that I, that I bought uh, was by Gary and Wendy Swanson. It's called The Last Skinwalker, The Avenging Witch of the Navajo Nation. And they have another one too that you can buy. And it's about. Similar things too. It's, it's, it's also it's going to walk. There's another, they do a second book about it. So these two are particularly, um, these two are primarily Bigfoot hunters and they've been Bigfoot hunters in the Northwest. And they were collecting stories. Well, being out of the Northwest, typically the skinwalker stories are in the American Southwest where you start seeing stories. So there started being some overlap where they started getting some stories. Okay. So they go out there and they start collecting some stories and they put it in this book. Well, one day I'm, I finally get my book. I decide I'm going to read this out on my back porch, pitch black in the darkness. And I'm going to start reading this book. Well, during, while I'm reading this book, one of the things that they said was to learn about skinwalkers. They went out there, but nobody would talk to them about it. And they were trying to find somebody that would like talk to them about the legend. And they said, they finally got somebody to do it, but they would only move them during the day in a public place. And they go out and they do that. And while they're having this conversation with this guy, He's talking about skinwalkers and talking about what Vic was talking about. And then all of a sudden he would stop talking in the middle of the conversation and start just talking about like baseball or sports. And he does this like three times. He's like, not like just, just pivots quickly in the conversation. Well, they confront him about it and they ask him, why are you doing that? Why are you changing the conversation so much? And what he said was, was he said, you don't understand that the skinwalkers also employ the birds and the beasts, like birds and beasts to spy on people for them. And they know about them. They know you're talking about them when you're talking about them. And he was seeing like deformed animals, like birds sitting out on like perch. Someone was watching him. So he would change conversations when he saw this. But this isn't the first time we've heard about things like this. Think about when we were going over the Malleus Maleficarum for a patron episode. What was one of the big things that it warned about? Yeah, it was familiar. So they would yeah. use, that they would use animals. That they'd use that to spy on them. Even yeah. within your own proceedings and judicial events, yeah. likely they'll be sending familiars in. Yeah. It, it warns highly of the use of, uh, of animal proxies. Now, you might be sitting yourself being like, oh, there's no way. That's BS. No lie. The scariest paranormal thing that I've ever happened to me was when I was reading that exact passage. Because I, I talked about this in the patron section, but now I'm bringing this out to the main topic. While I'm reading this specific part of this book, my dog, who's a beagle, is out there with me at night. Was this Lucy or Pixie? This was Lucy. Okay. So my back porch light shines like a, like a circle of light, maybe, maybe a foot and a half away from me. All of a sudden, this big, giant circle of light 
this weird shadow animal the size of essentially, I don't know if it was a raccoon or if it was like the size of a pop, the same size as my dog, my beagle, steps fully formed into the middle of this light circle. No connecting shadows or anything, by the way. And just locks eyes with my dog, who, by the way, barks at nothing and barks at literally anything that comes two feet from the door. And they lock eyes for a good solid five minutes. Those awkward moments. And then all of a sudden just turns around and walks back in the shadows and disappears. I lose my shit. Are we up to the point where you called yes. me now? And I called Vic, by the way, our listeners, my best friend. Okay, person that I rely on, I rely on, by the way, to help protect me from weird stuff like this that I may or may not understand. And I'm like, dude, you're not going to believe this? And he's like, oh, okay. And pretty much just like hangs up the phone. Wait, wait, okay, no. He was not articulating himself well. I thought he was saying he had seen a squirrel and was for some reason calling me about it and telling me he's going to lock himself in his basement. Why would I call you concerned about a squirrel going to lock myself in the basement? I thought it was very strange. I Now, in, in retrospect, I probably should have checked up on you. Yeah. But at, at the time, you were really not articulating very well what had occurred. And I thought you were playing a game. I thought you were teasing me or yeah. something. Mr. Philosophy Debate Team breaks people <laughs> down to finding their terms, clarify things. Doesn't do that. Just goes, oh, okay, Chris. It just hangs up the phone. Well, I thought you're I thought you were like playing a joke on me or something. Because the thing is he never said there's this weird shadow animal that I just saw in the middle of like a big pool of light. Wow. He's just talking about being outside and seeing an animal, and now he's gonna go lock himself in the basement. He did not explain it very well, well at all. While having conversations with Vic about shadow about, about skinwalkers. And then me reading a passage that they spy on you, and they said stuff. And I'm like, they're at my door. Trust me, if I understood what was happening, I would have been there right away. I but just, you just really did not explain it well. I, and if you just knew the two of us, and how much more skeptical than I <laughs> between the two of us. And how he is much a skeptical one out of the two of us. Fewer paranormal experiences <laughs> that I've had in my life. And I'm like, this is not normal. And I'm like, and I'm telling you, it was a foot and a half away from me, fully formed shadow animal, standing in the circle of life for several minutes. Which is an amazing experience. Were you just shocked where you wouldn't, you couldn't pull out your phone or something, or? Yeah, well, I mean, I had, like, we've talked about, like, the odds of it, where, like, you're just, you're st- I don't know if it was, people will describe, I mean, it, it just sort of depends on the, like, people in the paranormal will describe something called the odds factor, everything slows down, you don't respond the way that you typically think that you would respond to a crisis, you know, it feels like it's just you in this in the world and nothing else. And then you have the strangeness and nobody else around you seems to understand why this is a particularly paranormal thing. Um, there's that. Or the fact is like Gosler just could have been shaking and like freaking out and just babbling. I mean, big. beyond that, it probably wasn't five minutes. You probably were in a state of mind where you weren't like a great no, no, no. historian on no, that. No, no, no. It was five minutes. Oh, I know. you're certain on that? I point? was texting you around the time anyway, and I was texting. Yeah, and I was texting. Oh, so you actually had a time mark. Yes, Never I, mind. I retract my statement. No, 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 I didn't I, know you no, had a time mark. I know mark. exactly how long the experience lasted for, or at least, or at least it was several minutes that, 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 this, that this thing happened. So I'm fully convinced, by the way, now, by the way, that this is a real thing in Skinwalker folklore, by the way, now, or legend or real thing. So I was totally convinced of that. And I wanted to make sure that we had that story because I think that's an important element for the Skinwalker legend. 
I, I believe your experience, but just for note, I did not have anything weird happen to me during that time. I mean, I haven't had anything happen since. Wait, then, did, was the was the weird face on your car? Was that done around the same time we were doing no, the CMR thing? No, no okay, okay, that was way after. That was way after that. No, that was way after that. But okay, one of the things I wanted to discuss in context to Skinwalkers is how this is a cross cultural event. <clears throat> yep. In almost every culture, you have a shamanic uh, station if you go far enough back, and it's nearly ubiquitous. Or ubiquitous between cultures that shamans have the ability to change into animals. And you might not call them shamans in every culture, but there's almost always this form of parody. And most of the time within these cultures, there's an aspect of putting on a fur from an animal to do it. Um, some particular ones I can cite. Um, there's some practices within Taoism mysticism. There is uh, aspects of it in uh, tribal culture in South Africa it is very present within uh, many Mesoamerican cultures, South American cultures, um, as well as uh, Central European and North or Northern European, as well as uh, Ireland and England, and likely even more than that. But something that I think that's a little bit different about the Skinwalker story, like the the Skinwalker story, the Skinwalker the, the Skinwalker legend. Is and then it was. I've, I've also heard too that part of the ritual involves you murdering somebody who's close to you. It okay, the context in which we discuss the skinwalker is somewhat unique because of there's this very dark, shady, almost evil element to the mysticism that they practice. There's a lot of talk about them doing evil rites and things like this, which that's one part that's not as pervasive in many of the other stories. Right. Now, I, but, I want to make sure that we're not talking, that we're not trying to belittle this. This is just a an element that people that are in the culture believe. And truthfully, from what I've seen, I haven't seen anything to the contrary for anybody who's practicing that to come forward to say, no, this is not true, right, from that particular thing. I don't think I've ever seen anything like on that, where you see in other particular paths where they'll be like, no, we don't really do these particular things within our practice. Question. Do you think that the shum, the fact that you see this present in so many different cultures, do you think that means there's a parody for the skinwalker or at least something fairly similar that was at some point? Because I'm it's the skinwalker is usually discussed in the context of it being a mystical transformation that you use magic mm-hmm. to do it. And when you think about it in the Shemitic cultures, also you're using an act of mysticism to achieve this goal. Would you say that this is just the same thing being discussed through different cultural lenses? I think that this is, I'm going to say no, because I don't think that you can clarify the end result as the same as what the path is. I think the path that leads you to that end result makes it something different. And I think that it's important to to, to talk about that because there's other practices in which you don't have to do something as far as we're aware of if there is a very dark nature to the method to become a skinwalker to take that route to get this transformation like we talk like like particular yogis that become like bigfoot like creatures yeah. like you don't have, you don't, you don't got to kill your best friend or your or your sister or brother in order to achieve let, that let me throw that, out that, right? some possibilities right. though many of these initiations into mysticism 
involves a layer of secrecy and secret knowledge. Correct. One possibility would be this is a step that is not reported in legend. Another possibility would be that it is not, and the dark acts that skinwalkers do is not actually connected to the shape-shifting aspect of it. Right. And then a third possibility would be maybe we've misattributed these dark acts to skinwalkers. Well, it could be something. It could be something where this is a particular subculture of people that can do this, to, but to protect it, to make sure that they're only getting people within their with like to get this particular knowledge that that sort of fit their their worldview that you got to do something, you know, to convince them that you can you can come into their community. Yeah, like I many yogis do not seem like the type where they're going to kill a close personal right. friend to gain power. Right. So like I I actually think that it's doubtful that all of these um cross-cultural um parodies are all doing some sort of specific evil act, and then the lore just has not caught up with it. It, but, it was just never disclosed into the lore. But if you compare this particular practice to, say, exorcisms, where the in where the end result, like you'll have all these different cultures that'll do different things in order to be able to exercise something out of a person or a place, very different practices and they all claim success, the only thing that they all seem to have in common is belief that, that they can achieve said task. But there is one step further you can go with these flesh gates, if right. that's the term you want to use, and that's that almost all of them have that association of utilizing the skin within it. You also have to be a wholly pure person normally. Well, hang on. Well, okay, well, I'm going to make an argument that I think that I, I think is a little bit different about something that I think is unique to skinwalkers. Okay, because when I was reading Gary and Wendy's Swanson's book, and they're collecting people's encounters with skinwalkers, one of the interesting things that I picked up from there was people typically being out in the wilderness exploring, and they they felt like they were in a place that was hidden. Like, they felt like they were in a particular very special place. Like, there was one particular gentleman, I believe, in one of their stories that he was trying to find, like, a treasure, like a lost treasure, like, in a particular place, and they thought that he was making success because he had found, like, some trail or something that... Oh, is this the one that was up in the Suspicion Mountain Range? Yeah, like, like and, and he and he gets up in there and he... Oh, Superstition, yeah, Superstition and, Mountain and, Range. And he's, talk, and he's talking about, he's like, I found this secret place and, and being very happy with it. And there was another woman that was talking about that she runs into this bird skinwalker type thing. On the, and she finds a trail, and she's like, I feel as though I've been walking somewhere where no one has walked before. Like, that was something that I picked up in their, just their language that I thought was really, really unique. That it was something about the location that they were at that was special, that was different. And and I and I have not seen that in any other practice in, involving these, type, these types of flesh. May bits. I counter? Sure, sure. Often these... Different practices that involve these sort of shamanic sort of practices involve special places in the wilderness, special mm -hmm. hidden places that only, say, the druid or only maybe the yogi or maybe only the Taoist mystic. Um, that's a commonality between them is many of them also have these special hidden places. 
that are places of special power or special connection or where you can go and speak to the spirits. But I but I but I've never seen people that have reported encountering like Bigfoot, like abominable snowmen, like Yeti situations over there, or people that encounter Bigfoot over here in America that report similar things. It they're always talking about being somewhere that they're not supposed to to be. I'm not saying that those particular places aren't special. I'm not saying they're not even not special to that particular person, but it just the experiencer made it a point to express that part of the story. And I, and I, and I thought that was just, I don't know. It seems more no, emphasized. I, truthfully, I did pick that up when I was doing the reading as well. And I thought I, I did think that that was an interesting note and I just wanted to throw out a possible. Sure, sure, here. sure. I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's not a case for some of these others, that they're not spiritual important in some sort of way, but it, it, the location just wasn't enough to overwhelm the person to talk about that, you know, especially when you talk about like, say, um, the Oz factor of it, you know, when people talk about experiencing that, where it's just you and the paranormal entity and they, or it's just you and the aliens or you and, and this and everything just sort of fades away to the, to the skinwalker experiencer. Everything doesn't fade away. It's all there. Yeah. You know, I just, I thought that was something that was kind of, I just thought that was something that was interesting. Whenever, whenever I was particularly reading that, do you know something else too that I thought that was really interesting? Is it seems like when you when you talk about like Skinwalker legend, like particularly like with within like the Navajo tribe, which is typically where people like where where people think the term comes from, it, it's it also sounded like in that in some of the stories that they encountered that the Native Americans knew where the skinwalkers were like, there were people that sort of knew where they were in society, like where they knew, like oh, yeah, where they and were. I've seen that in other stories associated with skinwalkers where everyone in the tribe generally knows where their territory is and knows yeah. to avoid them. Right. Right. And these are very socially outcast people that do very dark things that typically, and I, and I still assume there's probably things that we still don't know about that. I think that prop because, uh, because of how, kept some, I think some of the, the lore and some of the stuff is surrounding skinwalkers. But well, one, secret traditions are always difficult to uncover. Right. But, but one of the reasons that I say that is one of the things about skinwalkers is that they're supposed to be able to curse people like lethally, like they can do some sort of curse on you that only they themselves can, can remove. Like that, it didn't seem like within that particular culture that I was, when I was reading for this, cause they were, they were out there, um, that, that they had a particular curse where they could, where they could, could you imagine if you had a society in which you genuinely believed that there was somebody that could place some sort of a curse on you that would kill you if you knew where they were? Yeah. That they'd still be there? Mm, potentially, if depends on how worried you are about the curse. The thing is, like, curses in occultism in many American Indian tribes are, like, really flipping scary curses. Right. Like, they're usually not very minor curses. They're usually really hardcore things like... This curse is going to make you wither and die. This curse is yeah. going to cause a dark spirit to follow you around and will stalk you and try to ruin everything good in your life and then kill you. Like they're they're often very bad curses. Right. But like even I, compared to like European parodies, right. they're usually really dangerous. And I, and, I, and I remember that because they were talking about a particular one where there was a there was a, a member of the family that was dying in the hospital and the doctors couldn't do anything. And they had ran afoul of the skinwalkers, and they had to have, like, this person that was, like, the go-between. that had to let go and 
and, and, and settle whatever the debt was. And once it was settled, the person started improving, apparently, in the hospital setting. But I just, I can't imagine just with mob mentality. Like, because when you think about people, like, in a community, like, how mob mentality works, that that wouldn't just drive a community of people to, to just throw somebody out. That, well, that, think about it like this. Um, dear people right. are more commonly cited on nights of sacred rituals. Mm-hmm. Yet, there's not people, like, going around trying to drive them off those nights. You just accept that that's part of the world as well. Don't trust them, but continue on because you have important things to do. Okay, true. But I mean that. But I meant that point. But typically, it seems like with when it comes to mom mentality, people, if you think that, like they will throw a lot of those inhibitions out the window to protect the group, and you'll see people that'll just they 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 won't worry about repercussions of what happens to them when you start forming a mob. But the fact that this seems to be a thing that it prevents the community from going and driving somebody out has to be immense. Beyond that, what are you going to do when you get to the skin or the skinwalker? Cause there's supposedly not a lot you can do to actually hurt them. Like I've, I've heard rumors of certain silver bullets. There are for skinwalkers yeah. or what was it? Ashwood, Ashwood, I think it was cedar ash, cedar. Ash. Yeah. 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 It was some, was a while yeah. ago though. Cause I, yeah. Cause I remember particularly reading some encounter people thought they were experiencing them. And they had particular special bullets with cedar ash. Well, and I tracked this down from a story which I was never able to confirm was a real story. may have been a um, a scary story. Right. But in the story, um, I think it was the guy's grandfather went in, got his revolver, opened up the chamber, and poured this white ash onto it. And then closed the chamber right, and was right. going to shoot it with it. Um, based on some looking into it, I think it might have been cedar ash. And that led me to a thought on the nature of their weakness. When I do find allusions to there being weaknesses for skinwalkers, it's almost always a thing that's supposed to attract good spirits. Like cedar is one of those things that attracts good spirits. Or like, say, sage. Um, It seems like maybe the reason why it's supposed to work is it'll draw good spirits into them. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would destroy them. Also, there is a purifying element to them. So it could be that. I, I tried to deconstruct the the means by which that they're killed right. to try it back to a specific uh, lore point. But that's kind of the best I got because it was hard to get confirmation on some of these things. Getting hard facts about skinwalkers is it's, sometimes it's hard. Easy. No, it's not, it's not easy. Like that whole like cedar ash like story that we were talking that you were talking about is not an easily found point you know and like i said i was never able to confirm that this wasn't just a story that was made up right and even too like some of the stuff about like i think the skins was that necessary because i think the one time that i've re- i think i've heard a couple stories involving that too like it's it's dicey like i've heard like i think even particularly within gary and wendy's book they had like two different accounts about the process about how somebody was about how a skinwalker is made yeah, I mean, I have my doubts about some of them because one of them involved a bunch of teenagers that literally just stumbled upon it, and the skin markers were like, ah, it's okay, you can stay and watch. Weird. I have my doubts about that, that very antisocial practitioners, very bent on keeping their secrets safe, are just going to like let some drunk teenagers hang out and watch one of their most probably protected secrets for how it's done. And I'm, I might be wrong about this. This is just something I, I thought about while we were talking. I haven't had a chance to double-check it. But wasn't there a um, 
a shapeshifter element to the uh, Mistra Mystery Cult. I, I want to say in the Mistra Mystery Cult from the Roman period, I, I believe that there was a shapeshifting element to it as well. But I can't 100% confirm that offhand. Well, I mean, it just it goes to that that this is a type of element that's in a lot of different cultures. Yeah, but also we're talking about like a mystery cult. So I think there's even a stronger connection here. But the thing is, is though, it seems though with skinwalkers that that through a lot of okay through through time and through time as time has gone forward, when people are who are when people are trying to describe some of the practices of some of these practitioners with how they would transform, there may or may not be some accuracies to that. Um, I mean, and, quite and, possible. And then there's some clarification that goes forward, but it seems like with skinwalkers. Though it seems as though nothing's really come forward to dispute that sort of dark element behind it. That's true, but if you're part of a secret mystical society, oh yeah, you're, you're not you're not going. Oh to, no, no. And getting any hard facts on it is also right. going to be a challenge. Right, right, right. Um, so let me ask you this: Do you think that the loose association with they're doing dark practices, which for the most part, the dark rituals that they're associated with, we have very little detail on. True. Do you think that this is like us assigning evil to that which we don't understand well? Or do you think that this is legitimate? They're out there doing dark stuff. I think murdering a sibling or a friend might. Oh, do I think? No, no, like, oh, is that, that saying that, that people have assigned to them because you alienate the strange, you alienate the outsider? Or do you think that there's a literal um, dark practice there? I don't. I think there has to be because I think with so many of Okay, because here's the reason why I think that. Because you have... Oh, also, I, I'm calling Ellie in here so I can ask her a question about sure, Mistra. Sure, 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 sure. But I, I think with a lot of these other practices, you have people that have come forward to try to dispel some of these myths or there's some sort of element with that. I, I don't think with Skinwalkers that you've seen anything like that. I think that there are genuine people out there that this community believes are skinwalkers and from the stories that i've seen there are people out there that believe that they are skinwalkers and, and it's just it's one of those things where it's hard to oh there she is hey ellie Hi. quick question um the mistra mystery cult what the, are you not familiar with the mistra mystery cult no oh damn it I, th I thought you were i was going to ask you a question about it sorry guys sorry everybody I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I thought that was something she was up on. Do I think that we're, do I think that people are, oh, like possibly do you think that maybe we're just inferring that they do these terrible things like we've yeah. done through a lot of other cultures? You know that there's these people out there. Perhaps they have shape-shifting powers. You've seen strange animals around. People start to talk. People start to believe that they've done, they're doing these heinous things. Because one, one of the things is like, there's this association where they do this dark, bad thing. But the lore has a very hard time expressing what is dark about it, what is bad about it. There's rumor and conjecture, and you'll hear things like they have to kill their best friend, they have to kill their mother, they have to kill their gotcha. sister. Gotcha. Okay, like, okay. So here, here's the reason why, why I'm going to say no. Because I think for a lot of other practices, I think that this has been, I think some of the dark practices that are just alluded to them are people that do not understand what they do. The people that are typically ostracizing these skinwalkers are people within their own community that typically understand a lot more probably about 
the occult and mysticism because it's people within the tribe. And I, I think that I, you know, maybe if it was people outside of it, that might be saying that maybe, but if you have people within the community saying, Hey, these people do some dark, heinous things. Don't mess with these people. They can do some mean things to you. And I am somewhat ignoring the plethora of stories of people who do get cursed like skin, by skinwalkers. And then they have to go to a local shaman and go yeah. through this very difficult process of having the curse be removed before they die. Like, I, I don't think this is being done by, I, I don't think this is being done by people just with one particular path that don't understand the other path or people that are not even on a path that are just accusing people of that. This is people within a community that I think that really have a, a good understanding of it that is critiquing some, that's critiquing somebody else's practice. I mean, it's close enough. I would, I would say, yeah, I would say that. Okay, and I, I think that's a fair answer because it's not like I'm now saying, I can point to like, like a specific yeah, thing. Yeah, like I'm not trying to judge it just on me. Like I would take their opinion of it that they're like, oh, these are probably not people you want to mess with. And there's probably some truth to that. Okay, I got another question that I wanted to hit during this main segment. And I know sure. we're getting low on time. This revo- this calls back to your experience before right. where you were studying up on it. Part of the lore says if you start looking into them, they'll start looking back at you. And I pointed out earlier the connection to other mystical traditions with familiars and things along those lines. Sure. First, do you think that you had accidentally ran into a shadow animal, or do you think this was literal skinwalker um, BS? I think I just had it. I think that I was. I think that I was looking at something very much in the paranormal, and I think something else just in the paranormal was looking back back at me. Now, do I think it was skinwalkers? No, I, I really don't think so. Because even in the context for how I think people describe what skinwalkers use, I don't think they use necessarily shadow. Like in the story, like when I'm like Gary and Wendy, when they were talking about their experiences with the person, they say they use like real animals that are just sort of off, not shadow animals. Maybe, I don't know. but So just spooky coincidence? No, I think that I was looking at something heavily in the paranormal and the paranormal. Oh, yeah, because whenever that's kind of true about the paranormal altogether. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, no, I think I was opening myself up to something in the paranormal to 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 for it to come to me. And once again, I'm going to give a cross-cultural question for my other one. Do you think that when they utilize animals, do you think they're using the same form of practice you see from other traditions where people utilize animals as messengers, spies, and other such? Or do you think this is a do you think these people are sharing one mystical art or do you think these are different things in different veins? Mm. With the animals, I don't know because their practice is very closed off. I think, I think something that is, I think it's important to look at the path that about which how a person achieves something because I think that is that's important when you're when when you're looking at the practice. I don't know, I don't know really if they're having to use just dark arts to control animals, or they're just using some, or they're just using something else. All I can really go all, all I can really go on is my visual impression of it. My assumption is if you're gonna use sort of a, a messed up looking animal as a messenger, I'm gonna assume that's probably not the best bet. Probably. I got one more. Or they may be the only people willing to come talk to you. This is in the same vein. Sure. One of the things that's unique to skinwalkers that you do not see in other shamanic traditions is this tell, the thing that's wrong with it, that there's something inherently incorrect about the animal form they take on and 
I mean, it, it, it is possessed in some, but it's right. not a common motif. Sure. And usually when one's sending out these animal messengers, like if I look at a story of a, da- of a Dallas shaman, they might be sending out a spirit animal and might have some special spirit aspects. But for the most part, it's just what it is. It's usually not seen as like twisted or malformed. Do you think that this is a sign of they're using the same tradition but using a perversion of it? Do you think that's a possibility that we're talking about? Okay, so say let's go back to my comparison of say like the Golem of Prague. Yeah. Okay. So in the Golem of Prague example, this they, they said that the rabbi would create a golem trying to do it in the same tradition that that God was in order to be able to like how God made man. God made man from clay. Okay. And one of the things that they said was you you have to be closer to God, more pure, in order to be able to achieve that. But we always fall short because we're human, right? Because we're always going to fall short. So there's always going to be that sort of tell. It's probably something similar to that. I think that's the reason about why you see these sorts of tells is because they're always falling short of probably wherever it's coming from or whatever they're trying to achieve. It's probably There's probably something to that. Okay, I think that's a fair answer. I mean, that's, that's just my best guess at it. So... Man, that for, man, that time went quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was, I mean, it, yeah. Okay. And well, I, and it's I, something we've thought a lot about. No, it, I mean, it is. <coughs> I my, my, my takeaway, I, th- I think my takeaway from Skinwalkers is I think a lot of people, and I'm going to get into this when we do the Pillow Talk segment, you know, we're going to talk about all, it's all the same thing, but all these other types of creatures. But I think that you really have to look at, the route that you that you get to take it there because I think that's what really starts distinguishing because I, I, I think if you don't do that and say it's all the same thing, I think that you, I don't know if you're giving enough credit to just other types of methods that are that seem less heinous, that seem less hinky. My thoughts are even if they're not the exact same form of mysticism, it's in the same vein that there's too much commonality to not assume a connection. Right. Now, maybe it's its own twist on it, but I think there has to be a similar route. Right. Right. Or there's just a similar destination. I, I, guess, mean, I guess possibility, but I actually don't think it'd be too much of a stretch to say the practices that were present among uh, Mongolian shamans um, would have existed earlier into proto-Mongolian shamans, or proto-Mongolians, and the proto-Mongolians were the ones that went across the land bridge. No, but I go back to my comment about exorcism and how there are very different methodologies, but the same result. But true, I think we're gonna get into. I think we're gonna get into okay, some okay, of that hold up, hold segment because we're getting into that. But um, let us know what you guys think about the comments below. I mean, do you guys think that skin? Do you, is there anything about the Skinwalker lore that we left out that you want us to bring up in the next beginning of the next episode? Um, is there anything um, unique about them that you guys think is about Skinwalkers that's not something something else that we left off? Um, if you're listening to this uh, and you like the episode, don't forget to leave us a like. Leave us a review. Good, bad. We'll talk about it. Um, it's one of the best ways that you can help out the podcast. If you're listening on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and hit that notification bell so you can be notified whenever we put out new episodes. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide in the Pill Talk segment of this podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up for as little as a dollar a month. You get to uh, hear the rest of this awesome podcast as well as vote in our poll if you sign up to be $2 more of a month, which next month it's going to be Time and Space Anomalies. Or Sweet. That's probably what it's going to be. 
I think it's like seven votes to everybody else's one in the poll right now. So that's probably what we're going to be talking about. Uh, in, Sounds uh, like I'm buying through, a new book. February. Oh yeah. Hopefully by Keel. So we're going to be, we're going to be reading about some interesting time and space anomalies, but we're going to have some interesting little quirks in there. Like we always do. All right. So something that I want to bring up for the pillow talk segment is I want to bring up, I'm switching beers to the Varsteiner German Pilsner premium beer. I'm still finishing off this twisted pretzel, but I, okay. So you talked about that. There is often this trait specifically in skinwalkers that sort of makes them off. There's something that's wrong. It could be a backwards leg. Like, it truthfully, could be... if I was going to equate it to something else, it would be to many aspects of Fey and things like Ayakashi. Uh, things that are Thank <laughs> you. 